Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dad Educates Daughter. I'm Russell and this is Rebecca. Hello Dad. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you this week? I'm good, thank you. Good. So episode 16, you got Dead or Alive, Cameo, mm-hmm. Miami Sound Machine, Amazulu, Was Not Was and Baltimore. Yes. How have you found this week and how many number ones, if any? I've gone with two number ones, but I don't know if I'm being too nice. I feel like I might be less. I'm not sure. Okay. But it, do you know what? This week surprised me because obviously it was a week where I was like, no idea who any of those people are. It surprised me in the fact that I recognised quite a few songs. Uh-huh. So it just shows that you can know a song and as we've heard yeah. from me countless times, I can know a song and not have a clue as by what it's called. But did, so going back to that, then you knew the songs. Did you think they were from the eighties or like nineties or? Well, when I've heard them. Yeah, before you knew. Obviously, now you know who sings them and what era. Did you think they were eighties songs before then? No. So there's a couple. Especially by Dead or Alive, I thought were more 90s that I recognised. Um, and the others, oh, no, I think I'd go like 90s. So now you're asking me that. Makes me wonder whether they have been covered and that's what I've heard. But no, that can't be what I've heard because I recognise that one. Like I weren't like, I've heard this but not this version. Yeah. But so no, I thought I suppose what 90s. I'm trying to say is, is it 80s music, 90s music? 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was, it. yeah. It's a bit different this week to the normal 80s, especially like the synth pop and okay. all that sort of stuff. Even, even sophisticated pop, I suppose, to a degree, um, right. which is probably the two main genres of the 80s. Yeah. Not that I understand what sophisticated pop is. We've had enough enough music from. I know, but I just general. don't get it. I'm just like, it's just pop. Just say pop. I think it's with a more jazzy, yeah, sort of feel. Like as I say, level forty two, prefab sprout, mm. Aztec camera. But it just confuses me. Like, just stick to why all these subgenres. Okay, moving on then. You've listened to one number one, so you oh. were right in. You might have gone over the top. You were wrong because you went with two. Yeah. Okay. I want to say that number one comes from Dead or Alive. Mm, okay. Who was? Who was? Where's you looking at the other number one? With Cameo. Ah, I was expecting you to say Amazulu. No. Ooh. Or even Miami Sound Machine. Miami, yeah, Miami Sound Machine, you know, could have, but I think Cameo just had that bit more to them. We shall see where the the number one is. Yes. Okay, well, starting with Dead or Alive, then. So, what did you did you see any videos of them? What did you think of them? What did you know? What was your overall impression? So, obviously, first listening, I just listened to the songs in my car got my feel, feels of it I recognize that's the way but as soon as you sent the song I was singing that's the way like I was singing it but Casey and the Sunshine Band also sung it who we have also discussed 
So I'm intrigued to see who sung it first. I'm guessing them because we've already had them. Um, and I also recognised um, you spin me round. So, you know, uh, I knew what type of songs they were getting out feels that they were given, but I'd never heard of Dead or Alive. I then watched the videos and I was doing it, watching them with Connor. And I went, Connor, do you recognise this man? Because at first when I was watching it, I was like, oh, it's another very feminine looking man. And I thought to myself, considering the 80s being like gay or bi or drag queen, like anything out from man, woman was very taboo. Men in the 80s really pushed the boundaries like that's what I'm really getting from doing this with you is you see a lot of the men, it's the men pushing it, the men wearing the makeup, the men yeah, coming yeah, out of their yes. shell more through their music. And I think that's yeah. just amazing considering it was so taboo. So as as um, we spoke about, I suppose, from the very beginning with the mm. new romantics, Boy yeah. George, yeah. Um, you know, Visage. Yeah. Right at the, at like the they really, you know, mm. even to a degree, Gary Newman with the makeup, yeah, he was, his you know, heavy a, eyes, a bloke wearing makeup, full stop. But obviously, his wasn't he wasn't wearing a clove. He, you know, didn't go that far. But you know, even even to that degree. And then obviously, we've had, you know, we spoke about Bronsky beat. This they were the first group to actually sing, and they didn't hide that they were gay. Yeah. They, you know, which even there. back then was still mm, that's what I mean with it being you know. taboo yeah so it's amazing so at first that's what I thought from watching the video and then I watched it a bit more and I was like Connor do you recognise this man because I recognise this man but I don't know I can't put my finger on who it is and is it Pete Burns it is right yeah. okay so then I went down to Pete Burns hole and was like I don't think Pete Burns was a singer never knew that Pete Burns was a singer let alone in a thing like I've only and like funny and then the only reason I went down Pete Burns rabbit holes because I started reading comments on one of the videos on YouTube uh-huh. and someone was someone like basically confirmed that it's Pete Burns but just double checked with you in case they were wrong and they said it's sad that it the way he was portrayed was by the media was to do all his surgery. And I was like, that's all I really knew him for, which is why I would never have known that he was a singer. Was that was clever. Do you remember? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I remember him in there, but I would have been young. Like I only watched Big Brother because mum watched Big Brother. So I probably didn't pay that much attention to it all the time. And probably didn't, I would have, I said to Connor, I was like, I bet if I watched Big Brother properly, I would have known that he was a singer. But obviously didn't watch it that great. Because yeah, I have no idea. But it was like, and I'm like, he's such a beautiful man. Why did it, why did he do this cosmetic surgery? But yeah, so I was very proud of myself for recognising him. Um, so, Dead or Alive, as you've already said, Pete Burns on vocals, mm-hmm. Mike Percy on bass, guitar, keyboards, um, Rain Hussey on guitar, Steve Coy on drums, and Jim Lever on keyboards and sax. They were formed in 1980 in Liverpool, and they were seen as a synth-pop, high-energy dance pop group. Okay, I put New Romantics and pop. Yeah, I mean, obviously they'd come under the new romantics as well because the way. Yeah, they, but that's not um, really a genre. That was more. That a, was the look rather yeah. than the sound. Yeah. So, P. 
Pete Burns was originally in a group with Julian Cope from the Te Teardrop Explodes and Pete hey. Wiley from Waha or the Mighty Wah was we oh yeah yeah know they were called. Um, and they called themselves Mystery Girls. Oh. They only played one gig before they disbanded, though. Oh, okay. So. Or went on to do their own other thing. Um, in fact, Julian Cope and Pete Wiley went on to do something with um, the bloke from Echo and the Bunnymen, whose name escapes me at the moment. So, yeah, so they all went, obviously, their own mm. ways. The original lineup um, had Burns obviously on vocals as the main man, uh, with Martin Healy on keyboards, Mike Reed on guitar, Walter Ogden on bass and Phil Hurst on drums. Um, and then after a few lineup changes, it eventually became the successful lineup of, as I said, Burns, Percy, Coy, Lever and Hussey that I said at the beginning. So yeah, they, they actually began and as, as an independent charting band. So they were... Oh. In the indie in charts indie, rather than yeah. the commercial charts. Um, and their song The Stranger actually reached number seven on the indie chart in uh, 1982. And this led to the band signing a record deal with Epic. Why didn't I get given The Stranger? Because it wasn't in the official. It, it wasn't, yeah, it was right. um, on the indie charts and wasn't list, isn't listed as a, as a song right. uh, as I'm far as it. official charts go. So um, they got a record deal with Epic Records and then got to work with the then fledgling production team of Stock, Aitken and Waterman. Oh, they were very okay. big as their own on their own label in the late 80s. Mm. Obviously, I suppose they were just starting out and were producers with as whether they were with Epic or Epic like got them involved in it from as an outside I, I'm not sure but yeah they were involved with Dead or Alive however the hit record You Spin Me Round was plagued with arguments between the band and the producers so wow. um, although uh, and it, it actually took about three releases before it became a, a decent hit they kept releasing it changing and reproducing it yeah yeah so You Spin Me Round is it a cover? Is it originally theirs? And I've heard it be covered. Or it's it is theirs as far as okay. I'm aware. Only because I want to know about that's the way, because Casey and the Sunshine Band have done it. That was done before. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I will just double check, but I'm pretty sure that um song um You Spin Me Round was actually written by them by those. You have me going now. <laughs> whether that is actually the case so yep songwriters are pete burns steve coy wayne hussey tim lever and mike percy okay so there you go they are the the uh, owners of that song and um the, but they weren't the writers as you say of that's the way i like it that was a henry w casey and a richard finch ah yeah which was originally by Casey and the Sunshine. Oh, no, no, it wasn't, no. Uh, Casey and the Sunshine did do it, though. Just seeing if they, yeah, yeah, they were the original, um, 1975. So they did it first. They did it first. Yeah. So, yeah, so going back to Dead or Alive, their third album, Mad, Bad and Dangerous, was recorded amid infighting with the producers, Stock Aitken and Waterman, 
um, as they were wanting the band to go in the direction of house music, because by this time, oh. house music was becoming the big thing. Yeah. But um, Pete Burns and I guess the rest of the band didn't want to go that way. They wanted to stay the direction they were going. And um, the fallout of all this was that Pete Burns was unwilling to hand over any songwriting duties to the producers. Obviously, they would have had a cut themselves. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Input. And um, yeah, he, uh, he was, was unwilling like, not to hand it over because obviously oh. he was unhappy that they were trying to... With the way they were trying to take in another it. direction. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what year was that? Uh, so their third album um, was released in 1986. But then they wanted them to go down the house route. But yeah, because that was more come at the end suppose, of the 80s. Well, it's it start. You had the, the the beginnings of it, I suppose, around 87, 88. And I suppose Sock Aitken and Waterman being in the music industry, you obviously uh, saw that there was it was music was changing. Mm, um, and they obviously wanted to jump on the bandwagon with Dead or Alive and. Um, Dead or Alive weren't weren't prepared to go that way, I suppose, because they felt that their fan base wouldn't want that music. I don't. Know. I was going. Well, I was going to say like in '86, I wouldn't have thought it would be changing that early on, but apparently it was. So Pete Burns, as I've already mentioned, appeared on Celebrity Big Brother in 2006. Mm-hmm. He died in 2016. Yeah. From a, a cardiac arrest. Um, and after his death on the 23rd of October, that week's Strictly Con Dancing on BBC opened with You Spin Me Round, like a record, uh, with hosts Claudia Winkleman and Tess Daly paying tribute. Oh. And Boy George actually paid for the costs of Burns' funeral, even though they weren't, I suppose they had a little rivalry, I suppose, but... Um, Boy George did describe did describe Pete Burns at his funeral as um, one of the great true eccentrics. Oh, well, that I mean, I weren't expecting you to say that. Boy George paying for it. Mm. I get that they would have had rivalry because they were around the same time, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, you had Pete Burns. Mar- uh, what's his name? Mar- Marillion and um, Boy George all look similar persona, I suppose. I was going to say, like, Steve the pretty... Strange, I guess, as well. Yeah, like, the pretty guys with the... Yeah. The way they put um, their persona as well. Yeah. So, um, Dead or Alive had four top 20 singles. Right. And they had one top 10 album with... The 1985 Youth Quake making number nine in the charts, album chart. Okay. Okay. So, did they have a number one? Mm. I, I, I think they should do. So, 1984, their cover, as we've now said, that's the way. I like it. Mm-hmm. That got to number 22. Ooh. Now, funny enough, that single was also re-released in 2003, where it got to number 23. Oh, so it didn't do any better. No better. Do you know what I found with that? So the reason I knew it was sung by the Casey and Sunshine Band is because when I was adding it, they came up on Spotify because they were already in my playlist. And 
then I remembered it. But the way that Dead or Alive have done it is a bit more rocky in a sense. I feel like Pete Burns might have wanted to go down a rock, but not too heavy. I don't know, it had some sort of a hint of harsher in there, but I quite liked it. It was a good, a good version. I liked it. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. 1984, you spin me round like a record. Yeah. Number one. I did I think it I don't know whether I thought it was that one. It could have been any of them. Dead or Alive were quite good. It could have been any of them. But yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah. 1985, A Lover Come Back to Me, number 11. Oh, that's good. I thought that one, that one was a lot calmer. Um, there was more of a focus on the music. I feel like they had a synthesizer in that one. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, they did have, as I say, keyboards. Yeah, but I feel like it came through more in that one. Uh-huh. 1985, In Too Deep, number 14. Oh, that's got a catchy chorus. And it music goes really well with it. I mean, uh-huh. it has to because it's a song, so I can't really explain what I mean. But it just flows really nicely. Sure. Uh, Nineteen eighty-five. My heart goes bang. Get me to the doctor. Number twenty-three. Oh, that was my favourite. You know, really enjoyed oh, that one. Okay. Really catchy. Nice thing a lot. Like just that one just got my attention like a lot. Oh. Mm. Okay. 1986, Brand New Lover, number 31. Oh, this one gets you moving. Like you can hear more of the electro on this one compared to the others. Mm. Yeah, I'm quite shocked with that one. But then I suppose we're coming to the end of it, you know. Mm, Yeah, that's true. Unless you've got a really big fan base to, you know, I suppose uh, like the big bands or like Pet Shop Boys and that Mm. to carry you on. I guess Dead or Alive, they weren't really seen as a, you know, I didn't even really see them as a synth pop band. Well, no, but like I mean, like I was saying, I feel like they could have gone down the nice rock route, like Uh make a new genre of like a synth rock instead of a synth pop, like, I don't know, they, they had something, something in there that was a bit more, had a bit, had a bit more of a harshness, a bit more rock in there. They could have played around with that a bit more. And then 1987, Something in My House, got to number 12. Like this one, this one was more rock. They could have carried on with that. It was different. That one was really different compared to the others, but it didn't change them too much. It didn't, uh-huh. like, throw you off. You still knew that you were listening to Dead or Alive, but they yeah. just added something, a different element to it. Okay. Moving on, then, to Cameo. Yeah. Your thoughts on Cameo? Did you see any videos? What was, you know, what did you make of them? Yeah, I saw videos. I feel like they've got a bit of swag. They like wearing tight clothing. They've got a bit of a dance routine in there. I feel like there's a lot of people in this band, so I'll find out in a minute. No, believe me, no. you won't find out because there are too many for me to have even worked out who oh. was who and what was what. So, okay. unfortunately, I, I, I wasn't going to, you know, I mean, list them all off. It's out there, but there was, yeah, a lot, and I don't know whether they were all to get in it together, mm. how many lineup changes there were, or any, ah. I don't really. Well, because yeah. the only reason I say that is because in one of the videos, it was just like I kept seeing different people, and I'm like, I yeah. don't know who's in this band. But I was just I, I, like, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on, but yeah, 
there was a lot of them. The two songs that I've recognised from these, I did not realise that they were 80s songs at all. So going back to your question about whether it was 80s or 90s, I mean, you could turn around and they might be 90s, but yeah, I didn't realise. And again, I didn't have a clue who sung them. But it's mad that one of the songs, Candy, how it has really stood the test of time. Like I remember going to like, when I was younger, going to like house parties and early days of going clubbing that was a song that was played like that was a song uh-huh. that we put on and there was a dance to it I don't know if you know the dance Connor shot to me because he's never ever seen a dance or heard of the dance but there's a dance routine to candy that everyone does as soon as it comes on and that's why I'm so shocked that I'm listening to it and you've heard it because it was one that we would get put on when I was like 16 17 18 to play when you're like out at a house party, it was very weird listening to that. I was like, is this, just, is this, like, I was double checking, I had the right song. And I put them down as like funk pop, but I'm not quite sure. Okay. But I have got a question. So again, okay. I looked at some, well, one of the first comments on YouTube was something about a cod piece and how cod pieces should come back. Now, I guess it's okay. some, a cod piece. And I want to know what a cod piece is. I'll be honest. I've never heard. I come across oh, okay. it. It's some sort of clothing. All right. But I couldn't work out from the video what was a cod piece. And I thought maybe Dad had one. Okay. I'll well, I've just, I've just had a look and it says a cod piece is a covering flap or pouch that attaches to the front of the crotch of men's trousers. Okay, no, they're so it's like the thing on a kilt, you know, when a kilt yeah. they have that. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's like that. I don't know. Um, okay. It may, may be held closed or by string ties, buttons, or folds of other methods. It was okay. a fashion item of European clothing during the 15th and 16th century. Okay, so yeah, well, that, there were people commenting on this video going, the cod piece uh, needs to come back. Maybe in that video, someone was wearing a cod piece. But... Well, they must have been, and they were wearing very tight clothing. So maybe it was okay. then a bit over the bottom and the front. I don't know. I can picture it now, but okay. Yeah, they don't need to come back. That's not fashionable. So, cameo. Altogether, as I say, I don't know timelines, um, 36 members. Oh my god! Yeah, of which four of them are still—it's still showing they're active, right? So it's got that they were. So cameo started out with fourteen members in 1974. Okay. Okay. They were formed in New York City, right? And they are a funk. Oh yeah! Look at me. They were originally called the New York City Players. Oh, maybe they do think themselves. However, they changed their name to Cameo after their manager informed them that there was already a band called the New York City Players. Oh. So, yeah. But they went on to be obviously more successful. because I've never heard of of the New York City Well, I've never heard of Cameo, but at least I've heard of the music. So they actually split in 2001 but then All we right. formed in 2016, and as I say, there are still four active members, um, of which Larry Blackman is one of those members. So they, um, 
made their commercial success in 1980 when they wait for this fifth studio album. Oh, so it took them a while. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's what I like. They didn't give up. No. So um, their, fifth, their fifth album, Cameosis, reached number 25 on the Billboard 200 album chart. Oh, that's a good place. But up till then, as I say, their four previous albums obviously had complete flops. So, yeah. Yeah. So the founder, as I say, is Larry Blackman. Uh, Whether he was the only founder, I don't know. But he's the frontman, frontman of the group, and he is still with the group. Okay. Okay. But as I say, outside of him, there are 36 other members. I can't believe that. Of which, as I say... Along with Larry Blackman, four of them are still with the band now. That's just crazy. So when they reformed in 2016, I don't know whether it was on on they were asked to reform for this or they'd reformed and then got asked. But mm-hmm. in 2016, Cameo got a year-long Las Vegas residency show at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Now I don't know hey. if you know about the residencies and that, but um Adele has recently had to pull out of hers yeah you get you know i mean it's worth a lot of money and you're literally tied oh to right so it's like tied to that venue tied to that yes, place yeah but you it obviously helps them because they get they get the people punters visiting in and what have you. Right. So, and I, I was just shocked that I, I mean obviously they're bigger in america than they are over here but i was shocked that a, a group like cameo would have a would, would get a gig like a residency in las vegas but in 2016, that 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 happened. Um, I've always wondered what Adele. Like, I've never looked into it with Adele pulling out. I know that she had to pull out and this to do like yeah. for her to stay over here and whatnot. But I didn't know what it was, and now I'm like a bit shocked. Like, I didn't think Adele was a residency type. Yeah. Oh. Like these make sense, but now you're saying it like that, maybe it is for like the big. Like it sounds like it's for the big. Yeah, yeah. There's been some big, big. You know, I can't, to be honest, I can't think of any offhand now, but, um, you know, there's been big names that get residency in, in right. the Las Vegas clubs, uh, casinos. Yeah. Um, as I say, they are richly a name to get the punters in, I guess. I was going to say, it makes you know, sense. I'm now, not 100% but... sure how it works, but I was just shocked when I saw Cameo got, Cameo had one. Wow. But, and know, after all that did. time as well. Yeah, yeah. Bear mm-hmm. in mind, they've been split since, what did I say, 2001? Yeah. So, yeah, they've been split that long. A lot of people, you know, although I suppose the people gambling or, you know, going into those places would have been the age of probably a bit older. Were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so they've had three top 20 singles as far as the UK go. Okay. And one top 10 album, which was their Word Up album in 1986, which got to number seven. Okay, what number album was that? What? Oh, I don't know, because they didn't release, I think they only released two or three over here when I looked. So um, it would be hard to work out even where they were. When it came in that, okay, I just um, wondered how... It would have certainly, I mean, we're talking, you know, 1986 and 1980 was when they had their fifth album, so... Oh, so it took them a while to get over here then. A few few albums. Okay. So obviously they had their biggest commercial success, I guess, during the mid-80s. 
um, yeah. which is when they were known or at least success more successful over here mm -hmm. so yeah so here we go 1984 she's strange got two number 37 okay that one had more talking and singing it weren't a good opening one for me with these okay it was actually re-released again in 1985 mm -hmm. after their um next single which i'll go on to in a minute and it got to number 22. okay so, so the second time yeah. in between though in between she's strange being released and re-released you had the single life yeah uh that got to number 15 in 1985. okay that's not bad it was a very calm one that yeah. it was so i guess as i say that got to number 15 i guess on the back of that success that's why they re-released re strange again so mm. yeah that would make so, yeah. sense and then 1986, Word Up, number three. Oh, that's a good one. That's one that I recognise. It's just feel good. Like, uh -huh. whenever I've heard that song be played, it immediately puts you in like a good mood. You can't help but sing to it either. It's that type of one where, even though you, I don't know all the lyrics, but I give it a damn good try because I can't help but sing. Okay. Uh, 1986, Candy, number 27. Mm, that was my favourite for the reasons that I've already spoken about. Uh, 1987, back and forth, number 11. That surprised me because it's a lot, it went a lot more relaxed, especially after having like Word Up and Candy. It went yeah. back to like single life where it's more of a relaxed sure. tone. And then 1987, She's Mine, number 35. Oh, I quite liked that one. Yeah. That one gave it a bit more of an upbeat to it. Uh-huh. Enjoyed it. Okay. Mm. So that is Cameo. Moving on to Miami Sound Machine. Yeah. So again, I recognised mm, one of these. One. Um, I thought they were just pop. I thought straight and they were just pop. I'm intrigued who Gloria Estefan is because her name is separate to Miami Sign Machine and I've added them to a playlist. Okay. And then she's at the forefront of video. She like, I don't know, she's she's got a beautiful voice. You can see there's passion in her. And then the only other thing that I wanted to say, obviously I'll let you know what I think of all the individual songs when you go through them, but Dr. Pressure... That is like a mashup. It's not just them. So that weren't on Spotify. I found that on YouTube. Oh so it's a, a cross between Dr. Beat, which is Miami Sign Machine, yeah. and also Drop the Pressure by Milo. So I listened oh to right. it, but it's like a nice little, it's like a remix mashup kind of thing. It was good. But yeah, I was like confused. I was like, is this the right one? Like, have I got this right? So yeah, but I'm more intrigued about Gloria Estefan. She seemed to be the star of the show with these. Okay, so Miami Sound Machine. Um, again, they've had quite a few lineup changes, right. but this is the main one. Okay. Um, Gloria Estefan on vocals, Mercy Navarro on vocals, Emilio Estefan Jr. on accordion, Ooh. Enrique Kiki Garcia on drums and Juan Marcos on uh, Avila on bass 
Roger Fisher on keyboards and a Wesley B. White on guitar. So Wesley B. White and Kiki Garcia, along with Gloria Restefan, were the principal songwriters. Right. So Gloria was part of this band. Well, I'll explain. Okay. They were formed in 1975 um, in Miami, Florida. Obviously. And they are a Latin dance pop group. What? Okay. I mean, I would never have got that. So they were originally formed, as I say, in 1975 as the Miami Latin Boys. Right. By Emilio Estefan Jr. Oh, so is that like Gloria Estefan's brother? So... Or husband? While they performed at a Cuban wedding, right. two of the guests, Gloria and Mercy, they performed two Cuban songs, just like, you know, as, as guests, right. know, friends or whatever of the married couple. Um, the Miami Latin boys were so impressed they invited the girls to join the group <gasps> permanently. What a way to get a job, eh? And on the back of that, they changed their name from the Miami Latin, Latin boys, boys to the Miami Sound Machine. Don't be sexist. By the end of 1979, the band was signed to CBS International under its label Disco, subsidiary label, um, which is where they gained their commercial success. Okay. Right. So although they were formed in 1975, they weren't really Miami Sound Machine until I think 1976, 77. Okay. But that weren't too long after. No, no, no. Years and years. So yeah, so they, they gained um commercial success in the 80s. Funny enough, on the on the on the wave of Miami itself, really. So the city gained a reputation as an exciting place to visit. Um, around that time and it was mainly thanks to things like the tv show miami vice and yeah. also the local nfl team which was doing quite well back then called the miami dolphins um as they had a quarterback dan marino who was obviously you know in in, in nfl especially in america it's the biggest sport it, it literally yeah. is and um dan marino who was like breaking all the records and that he was their the the biggest NFL star at the time right so and obviously playing for Miami Dolphins it, it again highlighted the it, Miami. It highlighted Miami mm-hmm. and on the back of that Miami Sound Machine was seen as the music of Miami just because they had Miami in their sound but you know um, and the tradition and because of the traditional Latin rhythms of, at that time so yeah. Oh yeah, because they've got the Latin in there as well, haven't they? I forgot yeah. about that. Because I can't, I, I just can't hear Latin. But then it, it, I and that might be from Gloria. So Gloria Fagado Garcia, as she was known, right, and Emilio Estefan Jr. became romantically involved. Yeah. And that was back in 1976. Oh, so that didn't take them long, did it? They married in 1978 and Gloria has since revealed that Emilio was her first and only boyfriend and they have two children and I'm, you know, 
funny enough, against everything Hollywood, they actually are still together. I was going to say, are they still together? That's good. Yeah. Oh, it didn't take them long to get together. No. No, they met, as I say, yeah, they met in, what, 1975, and by 1978, they were married. Yeah. But, yeah, two children, and obviously all that success, they are still together, which, you know, as I say, oh, I like in that. Hollywood, uh, or, you know, not so much Hollywood, say Miami, but, you just, know, as far as... Just in that type of um, industry. Yeah, yeah, the, that's what I was going to say, in that profession, and, yeah. like, um, you know, uh, the film industry, the music industry. Yeah. You know, celebs necessarily always yeah stay that way so following a massive world tour which run from 1985-86 several members of the band left so Wesley B. White the guitarist Juan Marcos Marcos Avila the bass player and Roger Fisher from the key on the keyboards they all they all left and they were replaced with George Casas on bass Clay Oxwold on keyboards and John DeFaria on guitar. And the band then changed its name to Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine. She Mainly because now, great. obviously, with Resley Wright, B. Wright leaving, she was now writing the majority of the songs. Right. Although the yeah. drummer Enrique Kiki Garcia was still writing or co-writing some mm. of them she was now the principal songwriter right okay and as a vocalist i suppose i suppose in this way that gary newman had already done with um yeah tubeway army tubeway army she's they've done, done the it. same wife pushing her to the forefront but she's done that with complete luck as well yeah that, it was she at a wedding, wedding that, that and then all of a sudden yeah. she's like the big front woman yeah. getting yeah all the limelight because I said that in wait, where did I say it? Oh, I don't know. I just said that she's at the forefront. The main focus yeah. is on her, and that's why I was asking who she was because in yeah. the videos I don't really see any of the other bands. So I was like, who's this Gloria? And well, why it might she be to do the with the next band I'm about to tell you. Right. So also um, on that, the the other lady, Mercy. Navra, I don't know when she left or what happened with her. There's nothing I can find on that. Obviously, she didn't go on to the what Gloria Estefan did. Um, so by 1988, mm-hmm. Kiki had left, who was the other song, other song the drummer, yeah. Following another world tour, which had ended in Miami, funny enough. Oh. So then Gloria Estefan was now along with husband Emilio, the only founding members left from the original Miami Sound Machine. I mean, right. And by this time, Gloria Estefan was seen as a global superstar. She was Not surprised, the, like, yeah. Yeah. So the Miami Sound Machine was then dropped <gasps> and only used for live performances. Oh, so she basically so became, became a solo. She just became Gloria Estefan, and Miami Sound Machine was just her backing group sort of thing. That's mad. And I'm surprised they're still together after all that then. And funny enough... Um, he basically lost his job. Well, no, because he probably was the one who suggested it, to push her, because she was now the main thing. Mm. The Miami Sound Machine that it was was, not, was just those two anyway. Yeah. You know, with just, I suppose, session musicians or whatever, you know, now now on board who weren't there originally. But, yeah, they had five top ten singles, 
however, they had a one one top ten album, which was anything for you, which got to number one in nineteen eighty eight, which was I think around the time of just it being Gloria Estefan. So right. you could so actually shows... argue, was it the Miami Sound Machine or Gloria Estefan? Because mm. you know, because they've only done well. It's it's um, Gloria Estefan now that is selling the song, the records, mm. not so much the Miami Sound Machine. Like anyone could do the music. Yeah. She has so, got a beautiful voice. She was writing it, she was singing yeah. them, you know, it was and hence I suppose why they agreed that we just need to go on now as Gloria Estefan. Mm. So, she has yeah. got a beautiful voice as well. She is very talented. So, mm. I definitely agree. Okay, so Miami Sound Machine, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty-four, Dr. B. Yeah. Got to number six. Okay, I recognise that one. You can't help singing along to it. It's very, very catchy. I enjoy that one. 1986, Bad Boy, number 16. Okay, found that one quite repetitive. It's in the background, but you still want to sing along to it as well. Uh-huh. 1988, Can't Stay Away From You, number seven. Okay, that's got a big focus on the singing. And that's when I was like, this woman has got a really nice voice. 1988 again, Anything For You, number 10. Ooh, that one's got a like love ballad feeling. I don't know if you can be a, like have a ballad without being rock, but it's definitely got some sort of powerful feeling to it as a love song. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that her voice. I just keep going. It is a very beautiful voice. Nineteen eighty-eight, one, two, three, number nine. Okay, this was my favorite. It's got. Oh, right. It's more at my street. It's like it good feels like makes you feel good and it gets you up kind of thing. Gets you moving, changing sound. Nineteen eighty-eight, rhythm is going to get you. Probably my favorite. Number 16. This was a close favourite of mine. It's got really catchy chorus. They've like changed it up a bit from her softer stuff to come into this. So this was near my favourite, but one, two, three just got me that bit more. Okay. And then 2005, ah. Dr. Pressure got to number three, which was um, put out as Milo versus Miami Sound Machine. Ah, so that's what I said. So... There Drops the pressure is by Milo. Yeah. Now it makes sense. So obviously, as you say, it was a mashup. Who, Remix kind of thing. How it come about or whatever, I would guess it was Milo or, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so it's Milo versus Miami Sound Machine. Right, okay. I mentioned a Gloria Estevan on that one. It is just the Miami Sound Machine. Um, so what did you say it was a cross of Dr. Beat? Dr. Beat. Yeah. So Dr. Beat was written by... Enrique Kiki Garcia, the uh, the drummer of Miami, of the original Miami Sound Machine. That's probably so, why um, it's that Miami may be Sound why Machine. it was versus them because um, Gloria Estefan didn't actually have any writing uh, credit to Doctor B. Yeah. Right, so that'd be why. And then drop the pressure by Milo, which is why it's called Doctor Pressure. Yeah, Doctor B and drop the pressure or whatever it is you just said. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So, yeah, so that was Miami Sound Machine stroke Gloria Estefan, I suppose you could look at it as. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
She didn't really need a solo career, did she? She had it all. No, well, I, I always thought she did, but I think the solo career was actually, we've just probably touched on it. Yeah. Because that was her. We'll just the, move the, on from the, there. The later songs were what were her solo yeah. records, I would guess. So, mm. so yeah. So moving on to Amazulu. Yes. Um, I've gone for dance with these. They're just here to make you feel good. They're here for a good time. Kind of wish there was a bit more from them. Um, I didn't look into them anymore, but because I had enough as well. And I didn't want to ruin it. The front woman, she's just so bubbly. She's just always having a good time. Um, You know, her clothes, she's a bit more out there with her clothes, with the colours, and they're a bit shiny. They're not your standard, what you'd see in the 80s. They're a bit more playful. And in the Excitable, they have a little play with animation. So that was quite nice to see. It weren't just like a live performance or just people. It was like nice and colourful in the background. They had like patterns going on behind them. So, yeah, but they're just here to make you feel good. Like I say, I've gone with dance. Okay. Not quite sure So I could have gone with. Amma Zulu were Anne-Marie Ruddock on vocals, mm-hmm. Sharon Bailey on guitar, and Leslie Beach on saxophone. They were formed in 1982 in London, and they are a reggae, ska, pop band. Very good at these genres this week. So the name Amazulu actually comes from the Zulu language for the word Zulu people, or also meaning for mother of the Zulus. Okay. After both Sharon Bailey and Leslie Beach saw a South African play by the same name, and they met the playwright after, who then gave his permission to use the name as their for their band. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I like a story behind names. So the original lineup was Sharon Bailey, Leslie Beach, and Rose Minor on the vocals. And they also had a Debbie Dread on drums. Okay. That was so the then, original. Yeah. So then Rose was replaced by Anne Marie Ruddock, who I've already said. Mm-hmm. Um, while Debbie on drums was replaced with John Bailey, who they called their token male, because he was the only man only still male. in the all-female all group. Um, however, by 1986, the group was trimmed down to the trio. Right which is when they had their greatest success. Oh, okay. So it's better being an all-female band. Yeah. So Too Good To Be Forgotten was actually a cover of the Chillites' 1974 Top 10 song. That was a cover? It was a cover. Mm, okay. And then in 1987, uh, Leslie Beach, the saxophonist, probably didn't have a lot to do, let's be honest, unless you're going to make sure you've always got saxophone in not not that i'm belittling her um she left and although ruddock and bailey continued even having success with uh moni moni another cover oh. of americans tommy james and the son of shondles 1968 number one hit didn't know that was a cover either so yeah they but they, they were seen as a cover band i was gonna say are they not Known for yeah. writing those. Um, but not by 1989, the band was disbanded. So, oh, so did it formed in out. 1982, had a couple of lineups, 
and then a couple of hits both covers and then 1989 disbanded and gone oh okay so yeah there would have been much more it's a bit sad for me to know that because i do like too good to be forgotten i really do Mm. i'm pretty sure it's on one of the now tapes and um it's when you find out that it's actually a cover from earlier because we've spoken about this a bit like you 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 think that songs were theirs um i suppose the main one was soft cell tainted love I yeah that, wasn't that was that was a and shocker I think that's the same with this mm. it's you know it, it was and um it's funny because i remember chillites mc hammer he's he covered a chillites that done really well i can't remember which one it was um oh, oh i can't remember now but he he covered a, a song by chillites 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 however you want to pronounce them <laughs> um and i so yeah so they were obviously quite a good group back in the 60s mm. that, you know are now being covered in the 80s or stroke i suppose mc hammer was even 90s by by people who obviously grew up with that music were influenced mm. by that so they had four top 20 singles in their small time right that's not bad going no so um 1985 excitable that was one of those top 20 songs because that got to number 12. Okay, not bad. I enjoyed it. It was sing-along. Her voice sounds auto-tuned, like it doesn't sound natural. Oh, right, okay. Mm. So I didn't really like that. I was like, kind of like, okay, you've played around a bit with sounding. But it was a sing-along. It was a nice song. Staying in 1985, Don't You Just Know It, that was also a top 20 song at number 15. Recognise that lot. Well, didn't recognise. Sound was familiar. That one, a familiar sounding, um, and it's just like I don't know. In the lyrics, it's just that bit of fun coming across, and that's what I mean by they're just there to make you feel good. They're, they're not too serious sounding songs. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Nineteen eighty six. The things the lonely do. Number 43. Ah, okay. So that one changed a bit. It was calmer than the other two. Where it was upbeat that I would have expected going based off the first two. 1986, Too Good To Be Forgotten. Probably their, their main, the main song they're known for. Right. Top 10, number five. Okay. That was nearly my favourite. It really catches your attention. Like, But it's simple sounding. There's not too much... Oh in it but it's it gets your attention it's yeah i mean i i do like that song yeah uh 1986 montego bay top 20 number 16 that was my favorite just think about it it's got that upbeat feel um now you said reggae thinking back to how that sounds um like that one and like it's just got that more of a reggae feel to it sure but i feel like they were quite cheesy with their sound. Okay. And nine, 1987, as I've already said, now they're a duo. Um, mm-hmm. They cover Moni Moni, number 38. Okay. This one is catchy, but on Spotify, the album cover that I can see was Cheesy Hits album. And so that just hinted oh. at me because obviously I'd listened to all the others and I'm saying that they're cheesy, they're here to make you feel good. That kind of just summed it all up for me I was like oh okay so you are cheesy which is why I would never have thought reggae because all of them are making you feel good um and they've got that upbeat bar that one that was a bit more calmer but it's still that upbeat makes you want to dance which is why I went down that route 
but that yeah now you said reggae I can hear it a, a hint of it but not full throttle okay moving on then to was not was very odd name how confusing do you know what it reminds me of in um friends ross and chandler when they're in college created a band and their band was called way no way ah might been on might been on the back of this yeah maybe i've never heard anything that like in parallel to say it is but yeah their band was called way no way Ah. So what not was, was David Weiss, or Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, and Don Faganson. Um, They formed the band in 1979 in Detroit, Michigan, US, and they're a dance, pop, dance, rock band. No, I wouldn't have said rock at all. I put pop and I put rap in there. I don't even know if rap is a genre, you know, because we've never come across rap as its own genre. But I put rap. They do a bit of rapping. Big thing in in the 80s. Mm, No, but But they do a bit of rapping. They they do rapping in one of their songs. Uh huh. So, yeah, but their songs are a bit random, you know. That's one well, thing I can These people are a bit random, if I'm honest, because if well, you listen okay. to this, the two members who formed the group, David Weiss and Don Faganson, adopted the stage names of David Was and Don Was. Why? So, their did, you, did they do that after they decided what their band was called? I guess, whether, yeah, Was Not Was was. They obviously like the name, what the word was. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll change our names to was and we'll make a band called was, not but was. not, But we're not was. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, God. yeah. Um, so their song catalogue features an electric mix of pop and rock and it often features guest musicians. So they're the, oh. they're the main two and they have guest musicians. Okay. So that's how they, they come about. Uh, the, the duo actually went on a hiatus in 1992 following a tour supporting Dire Straits. Oh. And they didn't return to the music industry until 2004, when they reformed for a two-month club tour throughout the US. Okay. So they took a nice little break. They took a, what, 12-year break? Yeah. And then they came back, but they're only a duo, but okay. It's very good. Back in musician. Who was it that... um, did that one they had one song and they were a band where they got feature vocally oh yeah um I can't remember who. the assembly it was vince clark and that yeah one, the, yeah uh, is it the the assembly who, who was the one person that did the fergal song? sharkey that's it yes that's what these remind me of now that you're saying that uh-huh. they have like guest yeah. musicians but they had guest musicians while they guest vocalists yeah, yeah. So um, they had two top 10 singles and they had one top 40 album as far as their career over this, over this um, side of the Atlantic goes. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, I haven't heard of what was not was for ages. I got in my car this week. Right. And no word of a lie, but on the local radio station, Jack FM, um, other radio stations are available, but that was the low. That's <laughs> I couldn't believe it. They were playing. Walk the Dinosaur. Right. Speaking of Walk the Dinosaur, 
that's what made me realise it's a blooming. I did not know, but this is going to sound really weird. I thought it was just a made up song that someone just randomly started singing and put in a TV show or for a birthday. Like, you know, like a jingle. I didn't yeah. realise it was an actual full blown song. <laughs> so now you're saying it was played well, on the radio. People actually choose to listen to that song. Yeah. Mad. Well, wait for this. You'll find out where it came in the charts now mm. as well. So what was what blah, 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 I'll start again. Too many was this. Was not was. <laughs> um, 1984, Out Come the Freaks got to number 41. Yeah. Now, surprised. funny enough, a bit later on, um, I haven't wrote it down, but they had another song, which I, I don't know whether it was just like a reissue of this, but it was called Out Come the Freaks Again. Oh. It didn't chart, which is why I didn't write it down. And I can only guess it's that same song re-released. Just re-released snippet. But yeah, um, it, they had another song, or a, a, an, the same song, but yeah, Out Come the Freaks again, which was in brackets. Mm. I'm just intrigued at who it's about. Like little Johnny, little, they talk about a few little people. So I'm yeah. like, these poor people. And there's a really, now you say they had guest musicians. This one must have been sat because it's got a really badly played, like, instrument solo. Like, it just sounds like they didn't know how to play whatever musical instrument they were playing. And that nearly put me off the whole song. But yeah, okay. just a bit of a, like, I'm going to keep saying it, random song. Okay, so 1987, Spy in the House of Love got to number 21. They do a bit more talking than they do singing. I'm not a fan. Like I don't know whether they're meant to be talking or whether they're just not good at singing when they do that. Right. Uh, 1987, Walk the Dinosaur. That got into the UK top 10 chart. It actually got to number 10. I'm not surprised, though. Like, it's one of those songs where it will get played just... F- to have a laugh or oh you ever heard this one or like at a kid's party like you know like you can't go wrong with a dinosaur can you and as i say i was surprised to get in my car last <laughs> week turn on the radio and that was playing i was and it was funny enough a coincidence that we now we you know talking about taking much use but, you I mean, probably wouldn't have noticed it before, and I haven't noticed, but it was yeah. just because obviously we were that is highlighted. Just, wow, in your brain. imagine that! So, yeah, um, 1990, we're going into now. Papa was a Rolling Stone, number 12. Okay, that was my favorite. Right. It was hard to pick a favorite, that was my favorite. I liked the difference in it, and I did quite yeah. like the rapping, you know, it gave just that something else to it, something else. Sure. To the week. So, yeah. yeah, I like that one. And in 1992, Shake Your Head, number four. Okay. That's a lot calmer than the rest. That calm down. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it weren't much to it. Yeah. Okay. So that's Was Not Was. And now on to Baltimore. Mm, obviously not much about these no, at all. No. No. They are the equivalent of a one-hit wonder from the 80s. Literally. No idea what genre they are. And I didn't get time to listen to any of the other songs by them. Um, But in the video, they had to play around with the graphics. It looked quite cool with the newspaper. Like, you could just tell they were highlighting this Tarzan boy. 
Um, but yeah, the song's kind of in the background. But I'm intrigued at what genre they are because I couldn't pinpoint. I weren't like, this stands out. Nothing really stood out from the song. And like I said, I didn't go and listen to any more to give me more of a feel. So Baltimore are Jimmy McShane. Um, he, he is pretty much the vocalist and that is it. They were formed in 1984 in Milan in Italy. Mm. And yeah, there, there isn't... It's a, it's a weird one. We've never had an Italian group before. Uh, no, Our first Italian group. Yes, yes, I think you're right. They are the first and probably only Italian group. <laughs> fair. And yeah, it's just disco new wave music. Oh, uh, why didn't I go with new wave? Always you go with new wave. New wave. You should have gone with new wave. Always go with new wave. So, yeah. Okay. So... What, how they came about is yeah. in 1984, Mauricio Bassi, a music producer, Italian, obviously, from mm. Milan, he met Jimmy McShane, a native I, Northern Irish person oh. from Derry, oh. who was working for uh, the Red Cross at the time when they met. Oh. Um, and I don't know how it came about, but they decided to form an act, i.e. Baltimore. Yeah. So um, they got together with some Italian session musicians, Giorgio Cosilovo on guitar and Gabrielle Melotti on drums. Right. And um, pretty much wrote Tarzan Boy, or at least Bassi wrote. Bassi wrote Tarzan Boy. Okay. Um, uh, Jimmy McShane sang it. And then they had the two musicians, as I say, guitar and drums. And literally, Tarzan Boy was their one-hit wonder from that act. So I might not even have been able to find any other songs. No, there doesn't seem to be any more about them. They literally, Bassey, a music producer and obviously songwriter, Uh met Jimmy McShane working for the Red Cross whatever however it come about you know do you how random how about getting a good you know know. (laughs) um they then got these two other musicians a drummer and a guitarist in cockilovo cockilovo and melotti got them both together as well and released tarzan boy and then Bassey disbanded the group in 1987. What they were doing between 1984 and 1987, I really don't know. But they certainly didn't. I mean, I guess they may have released stuff in Italy, but certainly nothing over this this side of the shore. Not of any real note. That's. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't look for any more. But I even feel sorry for McShane because in 1994 he died of AIDS. Um, but um some reports of his death was he was the singer from tight fit which um were the lion sleeps tonight group oh yeah yeah so um they reported his death as as now whether they reported it as the lead singer of tight fit um, or McShane died, who was the lead singer of type. I don't know in what yeah. context they reported the death, but yeah, they there were some reports that he was that the death was that of the the type fit lead singer. Ah, hang on. So when he died, he weren't actually the type fit lead singer. 
No. But it got. It did was, it when we talked about. It was never ever to do with tight fit. Yeah, but didn't when we got to, when we spoke about tight fit? Weren't didn't you say something? About yeah, yes, we did. Right. We did. Okay. I would have mentioned that. that yeah. Because I think um, it was also reported that the tight fits lead singer, whoever that was, I can't remember now. No. Um, had died, but actually it was Baltimore. Actually, he hadn't. So, yeah. yeah. But I because remember saying, reports, because of the Tarzan was, boy and the yeah. it's like how they're like that's similar. Where the, that's the, where the confusion, the, uh, confusion was. confusion had began. But it just shows you how, how um, and it, what an impact this Jimmy McShane had made. They couldn't even get the group. Couldn't right. even get him right, no. No. Um, but um, evidently Bassie and people that knew him said he died with dignity and what mm. have you. So uh, obviously he was, you know, um, around that time when quite a few people were lost from that community through um, through AIDS. And I suppose Italy um, or definitely Milan, there was probably a lot of, you know, because it was seen as a, a big gay community with the fashion world and, and what have you that... Mm. Um, Milan would have had a big impact on people dying of AIDS at that time. Yeah. I've just um, looked him up on Spotify okay. to see if there was any more songs. They released a whole album. Oh, right. Okay. They had a whole album. Tarzan Boy was the major hit. Yeah. Um, Only hit, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the end of the 1985 year, their first full-length album had arrived in Europe. Um, selling modestly in spite of its wildly successful lead track. A second album, Survivor in in Love, was released in 1987, though it failed to capture the public's imagination the way Tarzan Boy had, and Baltimore had disbanded not long after. That's their little uh, bio on Spotify. Okay. Um, So, yeah, they had one top ten single. Mm. (laughs) That was it. So, 1985, Tarzan Boy, number three. Oh, so it was a massive hit, really, wasn't it? It was, a, it was a big hit, yes. But why they didn't go on and do any more, I, I, you know, I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, well, I just said it was in the background. Couldn't think uh, of much. So that that is this week's groups gone through. So now for your hit or miss. Yes. Have I influenced you or not influenced you, I suppose, on 80s music of from 1984? And next week is, I think, the last week of 1984. Okay. So um, we're before we move to 1985. So, Dead or Alive, Hit or Miss? Hit. Liked every single one of those songs. Surprised mm. that they're not bigger than they are. And like I say, mm. I did have no idea Pete Burns was even a singer, but he should be known for that. This very, very mm. underrated voice he's got. Mm. Yeah, hit for me. Really enjoyed those. Cameo, hit or miss? Hit. Hit for me. Um, Again, I liked... There weren't really any that I didn't like. I'd listen to them again. I think She's Strange was the only one that I was a bit iffy about. But again, catchy. They got me. I'd listen to them again. Okay. Miami Sound Machine, hit or miss? So this one's hard. Because it's not my everyday music that I would listen to. But I do like her voice and I do quite like the music. Well, that's what we're basing it on. So, yeah. And I think, obviously, it's not just on my opinion. I'm doing it for letting you know whether it stood the test of time. Not just with me. Obviously, if it's done it with me, then it's a big hit. 
So I'm going to go hit because I feel like this Gloria, she's just very talented. And, you know, they have got a range of songs where they've got their, like I say, there's a more ballady one, there's upbeat ones, you know, they've got the catchiness to them. So it that just they're more chilled out ones aren't up my street. They're not my everyday listening. So I'm like, yeah. mm, do I do I put it as a miss? Because I wouldn't always listen to them. But I would go back to them and listen to them. Okay. So. It does make me laugh when you say this Gloria. I mean, she was a big, big um Well, she's not big with me. Name back in the eighties, <laughs> you know, when people think, you know, Madonna, Kylie, Whitney, <laughs> you know, she was probably in the next level with the Cindy Lauper's. Yeah, but I've never she, heard she of her. There, you know? I've heard yeah. of all these people that you're yeah. listing. I've never heard of Gloria. Yeah. So, you know, this Gloria, yeah. she's got a bit of talent on her, she has. <laughs> okay. Amazulu, hit or oh, miss. That's another hit. They just, if I ever need to feel good, put them on. Go right. and have a little dance, I'll put them on. Okay. Was not was. They're a miss. They're a miss. A miss. Oh, you might get your hopes up then. No. <laughs> like, their songs are just a bit too random. Like, they're just, <laughs> I, don't know where, I don't know whether I'm coming or going with them. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're saying, but everyone loves that song, don't they? Walk with everybody. For a child's party, or, yeah. Or, or like I say, if you want to have a little laugh, if you're in a weird mood yeah. and want to just be a freak. Sure. But like I said, I thought it was like more of a jingle. I didn't know it was a full-on song with actual <laughs> verses. Like, he's actually got verses, and then it gets to the, like, because I watched a video for it, gets to the chorus it's like these cave people walking the dinosaur and then it goes back to the like verses and he's there suited he's in a suit singing very seriously and I'm like what it's very odd very odd very odd man okay and talking of odd Baltimore one hit wonders yeah. I'm guessing, obviously, because there was nothing else to go by, um, it would obviously be a miss. But, I mean, just going by the song alone, yeah, what I don't would like it be? A miss. I don't like the song. All right. It's just Even in the background. There's just not much to yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah it was a big song. Got to number three. three but, yeah, it's um, just... Obviously not one that you would go out and buy. No, I didn't. I would not help it get there. I wouldn't help it get any further up. Well, I'll take four, four hits this week. I will definitely take that. Um, Take take that indeed, Doug. Yes. So next week. Yes. As I say, we're pretty much seeing out 1984 before we move on to 1985. Yeah. So, Art of Noise. Okay. Not heard of them. Break Machine. Nope. Ollie and Jerry. No. Fuzzbox. God. Run DMC. Oh, I've heard of them. I feel like I can think of a song, but I'm not going to embarrass myself. And Beatmasters. Beatmasters. Yes. Okay. So I've heard of Run DMC. Okay. But none of the others. But then I've not heard of any of the others this week. But I knew quite a lot of music, so yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? So yeah, so that is next week's groups. Yeah. Um, and then, as I say, we're going to 1985, and yeah, I think you've got some a good couple of weeks coming up after that. Yeah, so 
next week um different music next week very different music to okay. what you've been having yeah but um get back to back to normality the week after and for yeah a good couple of weeks good, good all right some good, good oh we've got some good weeks coming, coming up. up we've got some all very right. good weeks okay um but yeah for, for now we're concentrating on next week last of 84 art of noise break machined Ollie and Jerry, Fuzzbox, Run DMC, and Beatmasters. Yes. So I will send those songs over to you and yep. we shall discuss next week. Let's see what I think of those. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right then. All right. Thank you. And we'll uh, see what you think next week. Enjoy. Right. Yeah, I will. Thanks, okay. Dad. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.